Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Girls Like Us. This is the podcast that ventures to answer the question, what does a literature degree get you? And we over here at GLU says it gets you a podcast about books for children. I am Sophie. I'm joined today by Franny. Franny, let's just talk about like stuff that's currently on TV. I'll give you three options. Okay. We can talk about what's happening on Beverly Hills right now. We can talk about, have you watched White Lotus on HBO? I have. I'm in the middle of episode two. So am I. So we could talk about that. Or we could talk about um, just like vaguely what's currently happening on The Bachelorette. Spin the Uh, roulette wheel. I'm going to land on ding, 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 Real Houses of Beverly Hills. I knew you would. And that's Mm -hmm. why I love you. Um, Yeah. Okay. Well, and specifically, I think let's like kind of like frame this discussion academically. Kind of like in tandem, in conversation with what um, Miss Lisa Rinna posted uh, yes, last night on Instagram. So it's a photo of Harry Hamlin grilling. It's in black and white. He for the uninitiated, kind of he, he does. Good. Hold on. For the uninitiated, Harry Hamlin is Lisa Rinna, one of the mainstays of Housewives of Beverly mm-hmm. Hills, her husband, who is who, like, like, has been, he's like a real... Like, he's not just a random rich person. Like, yeah. he was on uh, Mad Men. He's had some some commercial acting success. He's 1987's he's People's Hottest Man Alive or Sexiest mm-hmm. Man Alive, whatever that metric is. Um, yeah, he that picture, the best thing about Harry Hamlin is that on TV, he never looks bad. Somehow, in this picture posted by his adoring wife, Lisa Rinna, He looks bad. I mean, it looks like an AARP magazine, like, ad. Right. Actually, what it looks like is an AARP magazine uh, in remembrance tribute to models for the AARP magazine (laughs) that they've lost. Because the black and white really adds, like, a somber tone to it. Right. Um, Harry making his last bolognese (laughs) ever. Well, frankly, it's not a bolognese. It's a huge-ass T-bone steak that's, like, the size of his head. Well, maybe he's going to throw it through a grinder and use it to make bolognese. Yeah, true. Or give it to a dinosaur. Yeah. As, like, a (laughs) treat. And what Lisa posted, um, she wrote the caption, This just came up on my phone, so... Tonight, as we go to sleep, I leave you with Harry's beat and then a meat emoji and a heart emoji. Good for them. You All know I what? can say. We're, I, you know, I think Lisa Rinna morally, you know, wishy-washy on her. Her in a couple and her as a personality, I'm in love with. I think it's perfect. So I heard a really compelling theory the other day from Sexy Unique Podcast, which is a podcast that started off covering um Vanderpump, Vanderpump Rules and now uh covers Housewives and they gave a really there it's hilarious I would re- like if you're a Housewives person definitely check it out they're hosted by two comedians it's so funny but they so you know how Harry Hamlin is always in Canada yeah he's always on his like little boating trip yeah, people think it's like it's kind of like a like a lot of people think this like it's a very commonly held sort of idea about him that Harry Hamlin goes to Canada to like fuck dudes. No way. No way. Why? He's pussy whipped as hell. No, he's not. Yes, no, he is. He's, he's making not. we've talked about this. He's making his little bolognese. Harry Hamlin made bolognese for a TV show. No, he made it 
you can tell he's only doing it for his wife because he leaves as soon as he finishes eating because he he's willing to do it for Lisa, but he's not willing to be around her friends. And that's a very husband to a straight woman thing to do, I think. So, okay. Where does this theory originate from? Just certain ideas that have been, I guess, floating. What the people on the podcast said, like, a lot of people think that Harry and Lisa are in an open marriage. Hmm. Just, like, no evidence for yeah, this. Yeah, I think but a they're lot in of- an open marriage. She's opening up her legs to him every single <laughs> night. Yeah. <laughs> Given one of her world-famous blowjobs. Oh, my God. I mean, I just don't, like... There is something kind of interesting to me about him. And this came out in season nine or season 10, wherein, so if you don't know, Harry Hamlin and Lisa Rinna have two daughters, uh, Amelia Gray and Delilah Bell. Amelia Gray is the 19-year-old who is currently like under the stewardship of Scott Disick. Um, (laughs) She's Scott Disick's ward. Yeah. uh, AKA his like younger girlfriend, can you imagine? First of all, like I don't want to. I don't want to have any sort of debate about the ethics of their relationship. But like, can you just imagine how horrible it must be to date a forty-year-old man as a teenager? Yeah. No, thank you. You know what? Seeing seeing the penis of someone your own age already enough. Yeah. Like already too much. Ugh. Add in like twenty years on top of that. No, sorry. No, I can't like, go for that. No, I can, no can do. Uh, <laughs> put that dick away. away. <laughs> um, yeah, I like I no comment on that. <laughs> no, it's just like a weird like to me. There's a lot of questions. Once again, taking the ethics out of it of like I need to know the play by play of the initiation of that relationship between a 40 year old and a 19 year old. What does that look like? Because I do the math in my head. Over They're both and over using again. each other, I believe, for Instagram clout. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's the only logical explanation, but it's like, who made the first move? I have to know. Good question. I hope we learn this. Yeah, me too. But They've been anyway. a little shy about, they've sprinkled it Well, in. yeah, because they know it's disgusting. Yeah. Like, they know it's well, like bad. Well, at least Rina and Harry don't like it. No. Um, so, you know, he makes his bolognese for the, bolognese. for the party that Lisa Rinna wants to have for Garcelle because she's trying to get back in Garcelle's good graces very convenient timing, Lisa Rinna. All of a sudden, you're very concerned about being good friends with Garcelle and being like, Garcelle and I have been friends for years. Remember all the times you've come over, Garcelle? Like, if Lisa Rinna was not a celebrity, she would have empath in her Instagram bio. 100%. I guarantee it. 100%. It's like, girl, leave this woman alone. Yeah, let Garcelle, like, I mean... I, they keep flashing back to the scene, and this scene was very funny when it was the, like, psychic reading at Erica's house, and, like, three of them all showed up in, like, two-piece hot pink suits. Yes, So, yeah. like, she and Garcelle have that connection. They both right. have the good taste and yeah. fashion. And so, but this, the what is, what is the centerpiece of this party is the fact that Sutton Strachey, who is a first-time diamond holder, she was a friend of last season, but now she, you know, is part of the main cast. She goes totally bonkers um, in the direction of Crystal Kung Minkoff because she believes that Crystal has wrongly characterized what happened in Tahoe, wherein Sutton walked in on Crystal naked in her bedroom while she was drunkenly trying to leave. Yeah, she didn't immediately leave because she was drunkenly trying to return Crystal's coat. Right. Um, And 
Crystal said that Sutton violated her. And the use of that word is very triggering to Sutton because Sutton, you know, they can't say this, but Sutton thinks she's going to get canceled. So she, like, But it's like, girl. (laughs) Yeah, give your, okay, what, like, what, when, if I were to be like, tell me your adjudication of this situation, the feud, the current feud between Sutton and Crystal, what would you say? Right. Well, I, um... I think that Sutton's main deal is that she's very focused on appearances. I understand why why Sutton may be upset in that situation, but I think that if she came at it with more empathy, she might be... Because she's not worried about really how Crystal's feeling. She's worried about no. saving face. I, I think that, to me, it's clear that Crystal has suffered um, some trauma around something, and that's that's why that situation affected her the way that it did, and that's why she used the word violated. And okay. I, I get the semantics. I, I understand what, if I place myself in Sutton's situation, I can understand why I might be like, you think that like I violate, like you think that I hurt you. But I don't think that that's what Sutton's worried about. I think she's worried about how she's coming off to viewers because Sutton's yes. thing is that she is incapable of discerning um, something being like expensive from something being good taste. Okay, and I yeah. think that she, she, so she, and she's obsessed with like manners like in the very like like yeah. um you know southern lady sense in a that, conservative old world kind of way right so it's like you you don't actually care about the comfort of people you care about that you can have the upper hand in being the most you know gracious sure yeah and then she's she's obsessed with like buying like really ugly clothing um like when she was like calling out crystal for like her like quote unquote like ugly your leather ugly pants. leather pants. And then in the talking head, she was like, well, I think they were pleather. Like, that's her little dig. And it's like, no one fucking cares. And Crystal's out. Crystal is always, like, much cuter than you because she wears, like, actually cute clothes. And Sutton is just like, if it has a big price tag on it, I'll buy it and wear it, regardless of if it's a cute piece of clothing. So that's that's sure. my, I mean, I'm, I'm on Crystal's side here. I understand to a point why Sutton would be um, upset because, but I also think that, like, Twere me and you in Sutton's situation, we would have handled it differently. And we probably would have said like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Right away. Or or approached Crystal about it before Crystal sure. had to approach us. Yeah. I don't think, okay, so I'll, I right off the bat, I, I don't think that the way Sutton is conducting herself as an adult woman who like cannot, she cannot be chill about this. She's crying and screaming and like throwing a fit and running off and being like, I don't like being here because I don't like being around people. I don't because like. Because Crystal like went in on a gift for uh, Garcelle. Right. She was really, she felt like that was taking power away from her because Crystal helped I, them I buy Garcelle like a one. diamond ring. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and Sutton felt caught with her pants down because she didn't bring Garcelle a gift. Um. So if I come at it clearly from a like, like I'm like somehow I'm able to change things that happen within the housewives universe mm-hmm. to make it better for TV given these characters. So not in a moralizing way whatsoever. Right. This is what I think should have happened. The conflict between Sutton and Crystal was not triggered by this situation. It was triggered by the fact that maybe the second time they had met, they're all having drinks at the house in Tahoe and Sutton says, verbatim i don't see color like yeah. i don't see race and crystal says to sutton like oh don't be like that yeah, girl oh, you're one of and those she's girls. like yeah. yeah she says oh you're one of those girls and sutton immediately 
goes on the offensive with that. And it's like, how dare you generalize me saying I'm one of those girls. (laughs) I've had to deal with racism. I'm Southern. Right. Is basically what her argument is. I think that if you're Crystal, when we're at Harry Hamlin's Bolognese soiree, (laughs) you need to be like... Harry Hamlin's Bolognese bash. Yeah. (laughs) You need to bring that up in front of everybody else and say... Do you want to talk about violation? Because those things you said to me about like how you don't see race and how you, you know, oh, I was Mm -hmm. being racist toward you. That's a fucking violation. And you need to open that up because I feel like most of the girls don't have the perspective of like that being what triggered the conflict between the two of you. Yeah. I do think everyone is. uh, I will say that they don't understand that but I don't think that they're on Sutton's side with this. I don't know. I don't know because they seem to be kind of everybody except for like Kathy, obviously seems to <laughs> be pretty. Dory? <laughs> yeah. Who's hunky Dory. Um, everybody seems to be wary of crystal mm-hmm. and just because they don't know her as well. And because also they know if they cross her, then Simba will, will attack them. Right. So famously crystal Kung Minkoff, <laughs> Her husband, Rob Minkoff, is the director of The Lion King. Right, so Um, he'll sick Simba on them. Right, exactly. So you don't want to wake up in scars at the foot of your bed, honey. No, honey. What are you going to do? They're acting a lot like a certain pair of hyenas (laughs) in The Lion King. And Kathy Hilton is Zazu. Um, <laughs> Which one is Zazu? Is he Zazu's the bird? the bird who like does the like the song about like the gossip? Um, oh yes. So that's cute. <laughs> if I'm Crystal, like, if I like, because also like the but, way that yeah. the path of least resistance for these women is try to trying to comfort Sutton because Sutton is fucking. A, a fucking loose cannon and crazy and causing problems constantly. So right. naturally she gets lots of attention from like the women who are trying to be peacemakers because it's like, why is this girl screaming and crying always at every event? Right. When Kyle, when Sutton's Kyle's like, act like an adult. Yeah. Like, like Sutton's like, I'm not a child. And Kyle's like, act like it. I think that was in Tahoe. What I, I totally get what you're saying. Uh, though. I do think that crystal as like, you know, now she's one of two women of color. Clap, yeah. clap, clap, Beverly Hills. Winning the, <laughs> you like, did it. You, you did, did it, it, Beverly you Hills. It. You're so good. Um, yeah. She, I think, like, she is at a point where she doesn't want to alienate herself further. Because sure. obviously these women have wacko understandings of race. But no, but what I'm saying is Crystal needs to start building allyships. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm saying. Is In terms I think of, like, that, the, like, chess game that is Beverly Hills. Exactly. She needs to start being, like, guys, uh, what Sutton did to me was really inappropriate. And, like, actually, like, get them to see the true situation, which is that Crystal is being actively victimized by Sutton through this whole white routine of crying and screaming and being like, I violated you. What? Right. Like, and, and I think that's what, that's, what's always hard for me to understand about this because, you know, when I said I can put myself in Sutton's situation, um, I, I'm also not a, a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, kind of like, well, what do you have to lose from this situation? Probably nothing monetarily. You're on a show that's all about drama like the way Sutton is reacting to it is is just truly very very you know inappropriate and 
Yeah, but but I I also don't think that that should be, and I'm, I don't think you're saying this, but I hope that another woman will step up and and say, you know, this is inappropriate of Sutton to to treat Crystal this way. Yeah, it specifically because of the race stuff. Yeah, right. And I guess we'll see. Um, and you know what else we'll see? A whole book that takes a place C. a C S E A. Yeah, Jesus Christ, a book that takes place at sea on a cruise ship. Uh, as Franny so deftly put it in our text messages earlier, on the water in which the <laughs> shark swims as the series jumps the shark. I This book was an episode of the show. The idea that it takes place... So basically the oh, book takes place in a cruise. No, I'm just saying like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, in its conception. Like, it takes place in this little capsule universe. Like, it, it reminded me a lot of, like, the the freaky the train, train episode. <laughs> the, um, the Halloween train. <laughs> yeah, which is, like, my thing. I was texting for any of this. So the book takes place. The girls go on a school trip that is a cruise. Which it's supposed they to be an eco the cruise. The, last of, the end of last book, you know how... Oh, basically at the beginning and, and the end of every book, A will have like a little message for, for the viewers. Um, and at the end, it was like, they're going on a cruise. And it was like, what? Yeah. Also, it's like, we know that they could opt out of it. Yes. They could this have said, is- we, we can stay because other people, other characters did opt out of it. Yeah. The only reason Emily got to go is because she was on scholarship. This is what gets me. If I'm one of these bitches who's being like relentlessly stalked, Mm-hmm. by a and like i've literally i have a body count like all of these bad things happen to me wherever i go my ass is never getting on a boat are you kidding Absolutely me bad not. things always happen on boats like these girls are like wow what a great opportunity to get away from it all and like, be on an enclosed space with and they clearly like know that a is someone their age it is like he's gonna be on this boat bitch and also, like, why? Why, God? I open this book and, you know, it's, like, hinting <laughs> that they're going cruise, on a cruise. I think maybe this is supposed to be ironic, but the idea of a cruise ship being eco-friendly is very, very funny. <laughs> it's ludicrous. Yeah, I think it is supposed to be a joke because they keep talking about, like, and then they all go, like, on they eat vegan other boats. <laughs> and they eat bacon. And it's, like, this is not, like, this is, like, the worst thing I've ever heard right. um, for the and environment. it also seems fake. Yes, like, I don't, can you imagine, I mean, maybe it's a good field trip because um, you kind of keep your high schoolers enclosed in a location, but, you know, it's, that's an expensive trip to take, and I know it's a private school, but, you know, wh- where did you take uh, trips in high school? I went to Appalachia to oh, build ramps for people's homes that were coming out of, like, rehabilitation centers. Oh, well, I guess that's nice. But it, but it's, you know, it's like the classic, like, like, oh, this is a Catholic school. Like, right, we do mission trips. Yeah. Like, but it was really fun because I got to learn a bunch of, like, construction skills. And, like, as anybody who listens to the podcast knows, I love manual labor. So, um, yeah, you're just like in the Real Houses of Beverly Hills episode where they do Habitats for Humanity. Exactly. And basically don't do any actual work the full episode. No. Um, so, but that was, I mean, like my school had like fancy trips that my siblings ended up getting to go on because my parents had more money by the time my (laughs) siblings got to high school, but it was always like, mom, dad, can I go on the Europe trip? And they were like, what? Teenagers don't go to Europe. No, we had so many things like that at our school. It's like, this is an art history trip to Rome. Yeah. And like people would go on it. And I mean, 
you know, in college, that's still a privilege, obviously, but I think it makes more sense in college because you're fulfilling a credit. In high school, yeah. it's it's just literally like, this is educational, but it's like, for what class? Like, it's at, in the summer. So if I'm Tom Marin, I'm curbing school trips because there is nothing more synonymous with school trips to me than fingering. That's fair. You know, I, the only school, big school trip I went on in high school was we went to New York with my choir. Oh, obviously cool. a very horny experience. Um, and for me, the horniest thing that happened was that. <laughs> so I'm rooming with, with, you know, three other girls and we're in this like, probably like Marriott double tree, whatever. And I'm wet. I'm wet, dude. <laughs> as soon as you say all, double tree, I'm, oh I'm my fucking. Gosh. Honey, I'd like to be double treed. You're flicking <laughs> that, that guy. Yeah. Um, I'm in between those two trees rubbing my pussy. Rubbing. <laughs> Ass, uh, asshole on one tree, pussy on the other. <laughs> Cookie in your mouth. You're at the Marriott Double Tree. <laughs> oh my God. The visual of like trying to get off by like having, like being in the perfect position to like rub your clit on one tree and your asshole on another tree. Like, you, yeah, I don't divine. know. Divine. You know, I, the only thing that gets me horny is the Marriott Bonvoy points. Bonavoy. Bon it's so exotic. It's a it's like an artist to Rome. Oscars 2019 ass yeah. uh, <laughs> uh program. Um but this he wasn't even being horny, but we had a thing where like a man we were changing and a man walked into our room and he went, Oh and he closed the door. <laughs> it was just, he was just in the wrong room. I don't know how the door was unlocked. And my roommates were all like unfazed by it. Like, it was so, I think about it all the time. It made me laugh so much. Um, you know, and this, I, I don't, it wasn't intentional. I think this was just another guest at the, at the double trip. But. <laughs> it wasn't even somebody affiliated with the choir trip. No, it was just like a guy. Oh no. <laughs> he was like, oh, wrong room. Oh, that's so, how I don't think how the only that big happen? thing that happened, I, I don't know, maybe our door was, like, somehow propped open. Or maybe the key cards, like, actually work for every room. Yeah, <laughs> what the fuck? Um, but uh, the only big thing that happened was that someone got caught walking away from the chaperone uh, group on Times Square, which all I did in the Times Square was go to a Starbucks, because the lines were fucking long on everything. We only had, like, 45 minutes. Someone got caught walking away from the Times Square place, um, the the group, to smoke a cigarette. And she got in trouble. But then it was like, she was 18. So at that point, it's like, well, what are you going right. to do? But I get why you would be, as my choir teacher would be upset if someone walked away in Times Square. That is so crazy to me. Well, at least you weren't on a cruise. Dude, so yeah, dude. before we talk about the cruise, I want to go through and see... If we can, in a, in a loose chronicle, chronological, mm-hmm. in loose chronological order, like list off the amount of direct or indirect deaths caused by the Pretty Little Liars. Okay. Because it is getting to an appalling point. Yeah, it's getting like, I think we're in the double digits. Yeah. So let's see, Mona. I, we have to, there has to be more before Mona. Could we say that? Courtney Allie Chad's death was caused by the liars. It was not caused by them, but let's count as if it's related to them. It's related. Because I think generally most people do not have multiple murders like uh, distinct from each other linked to them. Yes. 
you know, in a in a suburb like like your normal Pennsylvanian suburban team does not have multiple murders linked to them. Multiple Correct. discrete, you know. Right. Okay, so what's Courtney? Courtney Ali Chad. Mona. Mona. Ian. Ian. Tabitha. Tabitha. Gail. Uh, Gail. And then let's count like presumed dead as well. This girl, what is her name? The preppy thief. Catherine DeLong, which Catherine DeLong, get- which she's not dead, but let's uh, we we are led to believe that she is dead for a little bit. Catherine DeLong, this yeah. bitch Graham, yes, in this book, um, and then like Allie, Allie Courtney Rob, because yes, in theory she she burned to death in that house. Yes, we okay. And by the way, as far as I know, we haven't gotten any burning down the house drag queen performances, and I know we have at least one drag queen performer in our fan base. So snip, snap, snip. it's Good been job. a week. It's been so. a week. Yeah. yeah. And we know that's, we know that's how long it takes. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, okay. So how many deaths is that? I, I have an eight count, three of those presumed five of them legit. Right. And then and I think there's more that we're missing. Well, in this book for a long time, they presume like Mackenzie, Madison, Madison. There are too many M names in this book. Uh, they presume this girl Madison to be dead because now what we've learned is that the previous summer, the summer after the spring break, wherein they, I guess, thought they killed Tabitha, everybody did something kind of fucking horrible and implicated the others in it. Because finally we've learned, and this is something that why we're just hearing about this horrible thing now is beyond me and totally seems like, Sarah flew by the seat yeah. of her pants writing these. Yeah, I agree. Because there's like three like other secret. Like you, I would prefer if the only secret that they had to keep was Tabitha. Yes. So basically we learn in the, um like the intro to this book, as we learned in the intro to last book about how Emily was going to sell her baby to Gail. We learn that during, okay, I have a lot to say. One, every intro to these books so far has had, a weird comment about how crazy the weather has been in Rosewood that summer. So, so far that summer, we have had the like highest te- on record temperatures um, ever. We hear about that in one of the earlier books. We hear about a snowstorm that happens during the winter, a weird cold spell. So it goes from very hot to very cold. And then in this book, crazy rain and like flash flooding. So next they're going to have like a tornado. Yeah. Like next, like Spencer's house is going to get caught up in a tornado or something. It's like, that feels to me, if we're just to take it down to writing, the fact that they're saying all these happened in one summer and using them as framing devices to sort of talk about the atmosphere in Rosewood feels like very lazy. I'm going to read you a, a, a quote that I took from this book that I think kind of shows both the et- the attention to editing, the attention to writing that was given to this book. So this is when Hannah is like talking to Naomi and this is in like the expositional monologue, whatever. A million years ago, Mona as a had forced her to confront Naomi and Riley last year and admit she had an eating disorder. So like, that's the type of thing that like, that's the type of like expositional remember it. Like, it's like, you can't even remember that you already said the word year you know, but three words ago. Yeah, because you, because you it's sat down 
and you wrote this book Tyra Banks style, where you just of kind of yeah, stream of consciousness. You're like, I can do this. This is due tomorrow. I can do this. Um, so at the beginning of this book, we find out that in a rainstorm, Hannah offered to drive a drunk girl home from a dive bar mm-hmm. and ended up crashing the car and leaving this girl. Okay, moving this girl's body. It's like, why couldn't Hannah just leave and not, you know, I mean, I don't think she, I think also she's like, well, I nursed a drink like three hours ago. And it's like, well, clearly you don't have, you know, alcohol in your system anymore. This like cements my idea. I'm like, I hate you, Hannah. I think you're a terrible person. (laughs) I think you're bad. I think that you suck. I think that the fact that you're like, this girl like clearly like got her neck in a crazy position. Let's move her. And then Spencer drops her and bonks her. Yeah. To be very clear about what happened. Hannah like has to get out. So like there's lots of hydroplaning happening because there's. um, Which and I'm sympathetic to that. Yes, you are. I've hydroplaned a car. I've totaled a a Mazda 3 because of hydroplaning. I get it. I get it. Yes. So Hannah like because of hydroplaning, like hits a tree with this drunk chick that she just met in her in, and she's driving well, the drunk in chick's car. car uh, presumably a like tr- swerves at her and makes her swerve. Right. Which is but, like, uh, but it's, it's made worse by the rain. Yeah. So, and then instead, like Hannah calls an ambulance, which like that seems to be maybe growth for Hannah. I know. Good for she her. She calls a, an ambulance and she calls the liars she calls the ambulance presumably after she calls the liars to come meet her and help her move this girl's body from the passenger seat to the driver's seat. Yeah. That is what happens. Which, and it's like already, uh, and I know that they're in this heightened state of worrying about, you know, confrontations with the police because of Tabitha, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, you have to know that, people would know that this girl wasn't driving like by her like wounds. Yeah. You know? And it's like there that I also think like, then we know that that girl doesn't remember that she was driving cause she was blacked. But then it was like, you know, you there, there, but there was a huge chance that she would remember that she wasn't the one driving. It's just like idiotic. And it speaks to Hannah's lack of care. And um, I don't know. It's like, they obviously they, they believe that they killed Tabitha, which we learn is not the case at the end of this book. Technically, um, but uh, but it's like, yeah, whatever. Let's, but but uh, Hannah is just truly, truly bugs me as a character because everything she does is so fucking selfish, and she always drags other people into it. And then once again, to get into Hannah's storyline for this fucking book, it's the same Hannah storyline of every single book where what's she trying to do? Worm her way back in with either Naomi, Riley, or, or Kate. Kate. Yeah, or Allie. And, or Allie, yeah, uh, when it's special times. Um, and and it's also, like, not to judge Hannah, but we know that Hannah, I mean, I, this is judging her positively. She works out all the time. I, personally, I know I can, like, support the weight of a person my weight for, you know, five seconds or whatever. Why couldn't she have just pulled her to the driver's side? Like, she's strong enough? in all of the other secrets, Franny, all of the liars had to be implicated. When yeah, Spencer you can't just call plants one friend, drugs, you have to call all three. No, yeah, they only the text message only sends if you send it to all three of them. Um, 
when Spencer was trying to plant drugs on Kelsey, everybody else had to be implicated. When Emily was going to sell her baby, everybody else had to be implicated. When Aria pushed Tabitha. Like, it's all of these fucking things one after the other. It's like, I'm so... I think what is frustrating to me in these books, too, is that, like, and, and I'm pouring myself a glass of red wine as we talk about this, is that um, the girls, I, I would so much prefer the writing to be like, we don't know who A is, okay? But there's always a red herring. It's the same yes. fucking structure every book that we know that it's like, oh, it's Naomi this time. And so we as the reader are like, click, clearly it's not Naomi. Yes. And that's so frustrating because it's like, I would I would be fine like not knowing who A is, but you have to make, you have to treat us as smart viewers. Or yes. smart readers and not people who are just picking up the series Idiots. for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. So, I would love I would love if it was was Naomi this time. Fuck yeah, I would. I mean like yeah. And that's why that, the Mona stuff was good because it was like she we didn't know it was her because right. and then she there was like a twist there basically and it's like we can't do that again. Yeah, so what happens in this book is that, you know, they're on this cruise. Hannah gets randomly assigned to room with Naomi of Naomi, Riley, and Kate, the popular girls. And Naomi is, like, all of a sudden, like, oh, Hannah, I'm excited to be friends. And, like, that sets everybody's censors off because famously these girls, all they do is, like, torment Hannah. Mm-hmm. Um, they go to, like, a party. Which, like, aren't they boring? Which is Riley the boring one? I feel like in previous descriptions, Hannah would always be, like, they're really homely. Yeah, I don't know, dude. I can't, like, I have, like, kind of a sieve brain now because of reading all of these books. Like, because... (laughs) You have a sieve, that video game. Yes. Like, the way that it, like, the way that information is, like, like, baseline, like, communicated in these books is so wild. Wherein, like, at this point, this is the 12th book in the series, 11th book, maybe, All we are getting constantly, like, these books become more and more just ketchup. Like, we get so much ketchup. (laughs) And honey, we don't even have any mustard. Yeah, right. (laughs) Like, all of these books, like, it's like, if you were to go through, and maybe we should do this eventually, like, one of us should take one for the team and go through and just highlight the portions that are trying to explain shit that happened in previous books. It would make up, like, over 60% of these books. And, like, I don't even feel like that's an exaggeration. Truly. No. It's, like, that's why we love that first arc, right? And it's because it didn't have the other baggage. It's, like, they are still telling us stuff that happened truly in book one. Yeah. I'm, like, I... They're, like, when Emily first kissed Maya St. Germain, and I'm, like, just do it. Just put the bullet in my brain. Like, I am so tired. I'm so fucking tired of this. Like, I know that Emily kissed Maya St. Germain. I'm not a 12-year-old who just also, picked up this book for the first time. Book one. That happened yeah. in book one. I'm like, nothing it's like that Maya happened. Isn't in- a character in these books anymore. Maya no. presumably doesn't go to their school anymore. Yeah, Maya's off like doing something happy and healthy. Like she Good for is her. <laughs> good for her. She looks happy and healthy, not being stalked by A or anyone else. Um <laughs> she literally like Nothing, I'm willing to say this generally, in general, nothing that happened in book one now carries any bearing on what is happening. Right, because they the characters grow, they don't worry about situations that's happened to them long ago. No. Except that they, they never have any sort of, their brains are also like sieves. 
Yeah. In that they they maintain the memory, but they don't maintain the lessons that they've learned. No, like all they like they're like they're like AI. Like they know that it happened, but they cannot AI. intellectualize. Like <laughs> AI, Jesus I. Christ. Uh, um, like they cannot intellectualize. And, like, analyze anything that's actually mm-hmm. happened to them, which is what allows the plot to continue. Like, had it been mercifully cut off at book eight, <laughs> like, if this would not been, be the like, case. If it had compassionately euthanized at book eight. Right. But now, right. like, the whole premise of these books has to be that these girls don't learn their lessons. I know. And it's like, they could. And, and that's what's also frustrating is, like, Sarah Shepard... There's a reason that there is a time jump in the TV show, right? Obviously, the TV show is bad. However, it's like, at least that's giving us new scenarios. And in these books, it's like, as high school students, there's only so much that can happen to them. Right. You know, yeah. within the 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 walls of belief uh, in one's understanding I cannot of, of believe, what a high schooler is. Yeah. I cannot believe that there has not been a prom yet. We've been in this book with them since junior year, and yeah. we haven't even gotten to prom yet, dude. It's like... And it's like in the TV show, oh, there are dances all the time. And yeah. I believe prom is when they're taken to the dollhouse, which is the best arc in the, <laughs> I, wish, I want them to go to the, that, that was my favorite thing in the TV show. We should watch that, just the, that arc of episodes for Patreon soon. We should do like a live, we should do like a watch along. Oh, that would be a lot of fun, fun. Like on Discord. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or yeah. And then like, like share the audio, like time it up. And- yeah. Yeah. That would be fun. Yeah. Maybe we can do that. Um, let us know if you would like to hear that because that would yeah. be a lot of fun. Um, okay, so this is what happens. So Hannah finds out basically because Naomi uses this woman's ID as her fake ID because she, quote, doesn't need it anymore. That Naomi <laughs> is the cousin. Like, but like, also, why doesn't she need it anymore? Because she's 18? Because she got a different ID? Well, because she's, she's like not, in but rehab. She still needs to, well, but like, I know she's going through physical therapy. There, there are reasons one would need an ID beyond driving Franny, and drinking. I'm going to reach through this computer and smack you if you keep <laughs> trying to make this make sense. It doesn't make sense. We have to soldier on, nevertheless. Nevertheless, she persists being me. You keep trying to yeah. bog me down with all of these realistic details. <laughs> um Naomi is the cousin of the girl that Hannah thinks she killed in the car accident. And so naturally it's like, oh my God, Naomi knows about all of this. She's seeking revenge. She must be A. Also, guess who else is on the cruise? You guessed it, Reefer, Reefer Spencer's random who Naomi ass. also like ha- hooked up with. And she wants to go to Princeton. Right. Naomi and Reefer, we learn as Spencer and him develop their relationship on this cruise, Reefer with the white dreads is Naomi's yeah, is he ex. White? I mean, I'm just presuming. Uh, because I, I guess I just maybe I like I'm just presuming based on based on the the, the race of 98 percent of other characters in this book, right? Like maybe that's an unfair presumption, but like it would him being black would problematize certain things that they say about him in ways that like I am not willing think, to like, think about. Sarah Sh- okay, that's fair. That's fair. You know what I mean? Like there yeah. are some things then that are so deliriously racist about his characterization. Yeah. Absolutely. I get that. He, he, yeah. I feel that. Also, it's like, would, would a non-white person call themselves reefer? 
that's like a name that would only be inscribed to oneself by a, a, a 18 year old white guy. Right. With dreads. With so dreads, Spencer yeah. and Reefer are heating up their romance and being foiled by Naomi. I cannot believe we are 50 minutes into recording and we are only now just cresting the surface of like, because we've had to do so How much catch up. minutes into recording and you have only crested the surface of Pretty Little Liars Burn. Please only talk about Pretty Little Liars Burn. <laughs> Please only talk about Reefer. We should honestly, that comment has, has created so much uh, kind of like cultural conversation around us. We should put that on a t-shirt. We should put that on. That would be fun. Um, yeah. How am I 12 minutes in and you haven't mentioned Tiny Nathan yet? Please only talk about <laughs> Please Tiny Nathan. Please only talk about Tiny Nathan. Um, I wish I wish Tiny Nathan hopped on this boat. Dude, let's get Tiny Nathan. <laughs> it's like also Tiny Nathan's on the boat. He's not from these books, but he is here. Tiny Nathan is like can replace the guy who's like running the book or the, running the the yacht. Jeremy. Um, yeah, Jeremy's Jeremy, like the, yeah. The like the man, the adult man who has to deal with all these shenanigans. Oh, Jesus. So let's, let's go girl by girl. So you start us off. Give us Hannah's storyline. We're 50 minutes in. We're 50 minutes in. Well, okay. (laughs) So I gave most of Hannah's storyline, which is that she thinks she killed this girl. True. The girl is Naomi's cousin. Her and Naomi are partying. Her and Mike are also partying. Um, There's lots of horniness happening on the boat. Basically, She's like, it can't be Naomi. Naomi's being nice to me. But then she sees emails between. Na- As Naomi is like being mean to Spencer. Is that Yeah, because, thing? well, because Spencer stole Naomi's dude, Reefer. Yeah. Uh, Spencer deserves to suffer for <laughs> trying to be all horny all over Reefer. That's right. We believe men are property. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> men are property. Women cannot be smart and funny. Sorry. Um, or hot and funny. I don't even remember my own damn ideology. No, no, it was hot and smart. Women cannot be hot and smart. Jesus Christ, my brain is a sieve. Okay, so Hannah then sees text messages between, text messages, emails, whatever, between this girl, Madison. Yeah, Madison, yeah. She finds out Madison is not dead. And this is like the classic Pretty Little Liars thing where Naomi was like, actually, it was good that Madison got into the accident and like, was in a coma and has had to relearn to walk and like it's good is that now her parents are hundreds of thousands of dollars in medical debt. That's all. A yeah. Good thing. But then like Hannah's like, oh, it's a good thing. And then when. Well, a- why is it a good thing? We have to say why it's a good thing. Oh, because she had a she had a drinking problem. So now she had to go to rehab. Right. She had to go to rehab. She was forced to detox by like becoming disabled through this accident. Right. And like, and, and like so like Naomi says that in like a like you know, universal, like, truth way. And right. then later Hannah is, like, when, because they believe, obviously, for whatever dumb reason, that Naomi is a, they haven't learned their lesson. Their brains are no. also sieves. Um, and then Hannah is like, but you said to Naomi, because, like, then Hannah confronts Naomi about these texts that she saw. And Naomi's like, what? Like, I didn't know that you got, you were the one who was driving her. And then Hannah was like, yeah, but I didn't mean to. And didn't you say that it was a good thing that the accident happened? And Naomi's like, Hannah... Like, obviously, I wish the accident wouldn't have happened at all. Right. Like, Hannah, like, confuses someone looking on the silver lining of, of a obviously, right. like, tragic being like, event that's happened, which means, like, no, I wish my cousin would get in a... Yeah. What I did when I maimed this girl was actually good, and I feel I should feel positive overall about that interaction. So, the messages that we keep mentioning that Hannah sees are these cryptic emails between 
betwixt and between Naomi and Madison, and this, where Naomi's like, I will avenge you. Well, yeah, and then Naomi's like, I'm going to get, like, they're going down. And Hannah reads it, and we read as in, like, well, they, that obviously means multiple people, which not, I mean, okay, obviously, like, in a gendered uh, conscious understanding of this in 2021, we know that they does not have to mean plural of people. But I'm like, also, like, in, like, 2008, like, they get, like, <laughs> Like the person who did this is going down versus they are going down. Like I, I, that, that struck me as like false that Hannah would yeah. be like, well, obviously she knows that it was us as a group of people because also it was pretty much just that her friends helped her out, but it was Hannah who did it. Yeah. So it's well, like, Spencer's the one who dropped this bitch, like yeah, dead weight we, like, and bonked her. Yeah. She like <laughs> bonked her head on the trunk. I was like, th- I, that made me cringe. I was like this poor, poor girl. Uh, and imagine- it's also like, wouldn't like the EMTs be like, you like something happened here (laughs) you know they'd be like Like, why do you have a like they would know that's like people who see like car crashes and like the injuries that come of them every day would know that like oh your body has been uh you know uh tainted by movie spencer hastings yeah imagine coming to after like being blacked out drunk and getting into a catastrophic accident in like the feeble arms of Spencer Hastings only for her to drop your ass and be like, oh no. I know. Oh no, I didn't mean to. I'm so delicate. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Okay, so Hannah accuses Naomi of being A. Obviously, Naomi is not A. And... Well, we gotta go to Emily. And Emily, her parents are mad at her because between books, she told them that she had the baby. Between books. Yeah. it's uh, that, Emily it, finally it broke down and told her parents about the baby. It's like, wouldn't, Why? like, so much makes the main action of these books. Too much makes the main action of these books. And you're not putting in, like, a scene that is very dramatic. You're just being like, by the way, she finally told them. And they're mad. Well, Sophie, then we wouldn't get um, 70 pages of exposition of books that we've already read. I, like, want to walk into the bathtub and run the water cold and just sit for a really, really long time (laughs) because that would be more pleasant than having to talk about the shit that Emily does in this book. But Speaking of not learning your fucking lesson. We wouldn't get to talk about the pretty or the preppy thief then. (laughs) Listen, every book in this arc so far that we've read. Which sounds like a Gabby DiMartino video title. <laughs> a fancy vlogs by uh, Gabby video title where she's like, the preppy thief stole my Burberry. <laughs> the preppy thief accosted me in sacks. Um, dude, the preppy- did you watch the TikTok I sent to, to the group chat? No, dude, no. Not to be a group chat freak, but uh, it, it's just that I found like several, several like hate accounts against the DiMartino twins, which I just think is so funny because... Stop. There's, there's, Stop. It's it's like times Gabby uh, was a hypocrite. And it's like I. Obviously all the time. Obviously all the time. But it's like if I was a 14 year old. Yes. I. It, it's just funny to me. Like I love to be like on the outside of the whole DiMartino twins. Um, franchise, universe. I guess. Yeah. yeah. The universe. The extended universe. We know all the characters in the extended universe. Or I do at least. I definitely Kenny, don't. Rachel. Okay, cut cut all of that out. We are running so long. No, Camden, don't cut it out. No, cut all of that out, please, God. We are running so long. Um, I cannot talk about Kenny on the main (laughs) feed right now. Okay, so where were we? Emily. Emily needs to get a tattoo 
on the backs of her hands or uh, another body part that she regularly looks at that says no new friends because every book so far in this series, Emily has made a new friend who Mm -hmm. ultimately causes her relation to her other relationships or like her life to be ruined. Right. Exactly. And then that person like gets accused of being a right. So in this book, and we'll just say this very quickly because it makes sense and is actually relevant and good. Uh, Emily finds a stowaway on the ship hiding in her room who claims to be the preppy (laughs) thief. But the preppy thief is not initially the preppy thief. She claims to be a girl named Jordan who was too poor to go on the cruise but wanted to go so bad that she just kind of got on the boat. No, no, no. She wasn't too poor. Her parents wouldn't give her money, but she is rich. She's rich, yeah. She's character that she concocted. Right. She's like, I am rich. I'm not a pavo, but my parents are mean So they wouldn't let me go on the cruise. So I just kind of like walked on the boat, which is like the whole fear of the girls was that nobody was checking passports that like strictly and that A was somehow going to get on the boat. boat. Right. Because we haven't even said this is that I mean, we have said that um, this cruise has people from different high schools on it, but they also I was like, this was such an odd detail. They were like, there's girls from Villa Nuova or whatever, who they call the Villa Gorillas. Terrifying. Who are, like, super, you know, quote-unquote slutty. Yeah. And it's like, what? And, like, Emily's roommate is a girl named Erin Bang Bang, and she's never in uh, her room because she's off fucking, like, every single boy on the ship. It's like, didn't you have the thing? Did they not tape your door shut so they could see if you exited it? That's like That's a high school thing. That's a high school, like, trip thing. There's no teacher. There's only one adult on this trip, Jeremy. There's literally, like, no teachers or other supervision on this trip. Well, they they do say that each hall has a, like, every hallway has a chaperone. But in one of the chapters, Mason Byers pays off a chaperone so that he can throw a party in his room that has a dance floor in it. I know. And I'm like, you're on a, let's say, like, you get busted. There's nowhere to run. You're on a cruise ship. You can jump. Yeah, as really the badass thief about does, it. As the preppy thief does. Yeah, so Emily and this girl who she believes to be Jordan, like just start making out and dating. She's like, You're my stowaway. I'm in love with you, bitch. They go zip lining together. Then somehow they have access to TVs, even though like the CNN is the only channel they can watch. And so what comes up on mm-hmm. CNN? Oh, the fact that the preppy thief is at large and like possibly <laughs> has hopped on a cruise ship. The preppy thief is this girl, Jordan. Emily's like, what the fuck? You're a con woman. You fucked with me. And Jordan's like, no, actually, my name is Catherine DeLong. I'm in love with you, bitch. Let's move to Thailand. And, and my best friend, uh, my ex-best friend made me be the preppy thief. But my I didn't brain is out. hurting. It's um, like her, her ex-best friend was like, made her do all these things and then only... Catherine slash Jordan got Catherine Jordan Chad got caught, um, right. and ex best friend uh, Rob didn't get caught, and Catherine didn't rat her out because she was a she was in love with her. Well, because she's a Chad. Yeah, she's a Chad. She's loyal, even when she's like Emily. Like Emily and her bond over the fact that they've both been in toxic friendships, wherein a person has manipulated them into doing something, but because they had loving queer feelings towards this person Mm -hmm. they took the you know yeah they took the hit for them right they took the hit they absorbed the trauma um and they've moved on uh in ways that are ultimately not healthy um or good Mm -hmm. so eventually though the fbi is it is like the fbi comes abroad the ship 
aboard the ship. Aboard the ship. Uh, and is like, oh, we we got you. And she jumps into the water and is presumably dead. But then at the end of the book, Emily reconciles with her family. They decide they're going to put in the work to, uh, in the light of this revelation about her having a secret baby, they're going to put in the work to like try to be a family who can support each other and tell each other things again. And as Emily's story arc closes, she's back home with her family having this moment of hope. She receives a postcard from Catherine DeLong, who has safely made it to Thailand. I think she doesn't she doesn't disclose where she is. She doesn't okay. end up going to Thailand, though. But she is alive. Um, yes. And now we have to get into what happens to Arya. So Arya is in her, uh, she is still dating Noel, Khan, and they have a lot of conflict. Conflict. And another thing that we we didn't see happen, like, in our view, but, like, happened between books is they have a conversation about always telling the truth about things, which is something I think that they've had, they had the previous book, too. Yes. So this this truth-telling thing is not working out well for them. Um, and their main conflict is they want to do different activities. So Noel signs up for surfing because Arya, and, but Arya can't swim, so she can't do it. And she signs up for a scavenger hunt. She gets paired with this boy, Graham, who we then learn is Tabitha's ex-boyfriend. Which, do you think that he was actually her ex-boyfriend? Or do you think that he was a guy who just had a crush on her? Because um, he's described, Tabitha is described as being like kind of an alley wannabe and in that essential, you know, social strata, social uh, strata. And Graham, his whole thing is LARPing. Live action role playing. I have a theory about Graham. Do you think that he's like Allie's boyfriend from the preserve? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think I that's, think that, <laughs> that's yeah. probably true. Yeah. We know that that is going to be a character. So if y'all remember when we read Allie's Pretty Little Lies, there is this kind of, we learned that. Nick, I think, I believe is his name. Well, Nick, maybe, maybe is yeah. his name. Uh, we learned that there was some man that was involved in the murder of Allie. And because as man little. Boy. some uh, In the murder of Courtney Allie Chad. Mm-hmm. Um, so as Courtney Allie Chad is literally like breathing in dirt and dying in that hole. She hears Very a male voice. Yeah. Yes. Horrible scene. Don't even want to talk about it. Um. She hears a male voice, uh, which is familiar to her, and we are led to presume through the writing of the novel that 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 male voice belongs to the man that she started dating in the novel, who um, said that he knew her from like camp. when from camp, but, but he really, knew Allie and not he, yes. he knew he knew Allie Courtney Rob and not Courtney Allie Chad. Right. And so she kind of plays along with him, but we learned that he was probably deceiving her mm-hmm. um, into having this relationship with him because, like, he himself had also been in the preserve at some point. So I right. think that's who we're talking about here. Yeah. And I think there's multiple A's, and I think he's one of them. Yeah. Um, because this guy seems this to be This is just some- like Harry Hamlin's favorite magazine. There's multiple A's. Because it's AARP. AARP, baby. That's a good one. Um, Uh, Aging action role playing. (laughs) Yes. It's like LARPing, but for people who need knee replacement surgeries um, and can't strain themselves too hard because of cardiovascular issues. So Aria befriends him because 
they are like put together for this They're team partners. scavenger hunt. Where they're going to win $1,000 from the Apple store. Which is pretty good. You can get a laptop Yeah, that's pretty that. good. Yeah, I, I did like that where Ari was like, I don't know whether I'm going to get an iPad or a laptop. And it's like, girl, get the laptop. Your money will go for it. Yeah, buying an iPad. You can get an iPad for like, or, or get like an iPad and, you know, an iPod and some AirPods. That can stretch you a long way at the Apple store. The purchase of an iPad, in my humble opinion, I've never seen the point of an iPad. Like, I yeah. don't think that's a good, I don't think that's a smart investment. You know what? For a teen, it is good. Because as a teen, I think you're not to the point where you, it's like appropriate necessarily. Well, maybe now it is. But when I was a teen, it wasn't appropriate to always have a laptop or slash you did not have a laptop. So an iPad was a good go-between. Okay. Uh, if you're a person who like, you know, I have an excess of laptops right now because I have my work laptop and my personal laptop. So it's like that it, it, for an adult, it's not uh, helpful most of the time, I would say. Right. I just teen, can't I imagine. Can totally understand an iPad. Right. Also, an iPad is like something they're always giving away for free with other things. <laughs> Ari is artsy. Of course oh, that's true. IPad. She can get that little Apple procreate. pencil and yeah, yeah. scribble on it. Um, so she's paired up with this guy. They win the scavenger hunt. And then like her and Noel are like getting in fights because she's always having to go off and like do stuff with this guy because she feels really bad for him because like Tabitha's dead and he's like angsty. So then Noel finds her this necklace. Yeah, and, on the beach, quote unquote. Yeah. And puts the necklace on her. And when Graham sees this necklace, he freaks the fuck out. And Franny, why does he freak the fuck out when he sees the necklace? Because it was Tabitha's necklace. And when you look inside this, which it's never mentioned that this was a locket. And Arya's like, there's a letter on it, but I don't know if it's an I or a J. Clearly it's a fucking T for Idiot, Tabitha. Idiot, bitch. Um, and then uh, he or she looks inside it and there's a um, a picture of Allie and Tabitha within it. Yeah, so woohoo, Tabby like, and guess Alpha. What? This is what also annoys me. There's already a fucking other Alley wannabe at the preserve, and that's Iris, who we already had like a plot about. Books yeah, like and books why? And books ago. Yeah, and it's like, and Iris <laughs> is like mentioned, but not by name in this book. Like Graham's yeah. like, I would go to visit her at the preserve, and there were two blonde girls there who were obsessed with popularity, and they were always telling her what to do. Right, and exactly. it's like. Girl, we get it. You don't have to tell us this shit over and over again. Like, I get it. That's Allie and Iris. Like, move on. Give us yeah. new stuff. Put, yeah, like, exactly. a dragon in the book or something. It, it's like, frustrating because it's like, okay, first of all, and this is me being unfair to the text because Tabitha is described as having, like, a oval-shaped face, right? Girl, How many people don't. have you ever met that you're like, <laughs> they have a heart-shaped face? I just feel like that's a fake uh, face shape. It's lazy writing, Because wouldn't dude. you just be like, they have a pointy chin? Yeah, it's lazy writing to assume, like, oh, this is the best way to describe this, like, from a visual representation standpoint. So, obviously, all high schoolers would know what a heart-shaped face looks like, and that's right. what that's called. Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. I would call it, like, triangle. Because, again, yeah. as we've talked about, you're, it, I, for some reason, like, a square or a triangle, to me, doesn't imply that the top of your head is dipping in. But a heart does, because I would say the most prominent feature of a heart is the, like, little part on top. Yes, you're <laughs> so correct, yeah. Versus, like, a triangle or a square where it's like, okay. Right, I don't care know. what happens in, what's happening on top. Yeah, right. you're right. So what happens is that then Graham is like, oh, Aria, I need to speak to you. 
and like goes into the boiler room. Right. And he's like, we get like a jumbled kind of, we hear what Arya is hearing, which is she can't hear his complete sentences. She thinks he's accusing her of something, but clearly he's trying to tell, like warn her of something. But then the boiler uh, explodes in the boiler room. The water heater explodes and he's presumed dead. I'm like, that's scary. That is scary. Not on a ship full of teens. That shouldn't be happening. No. So then they have to go in lifeboats because there's been this explosion on the boat. And then they like paddle this lifeboat out and they bury it. They bury the necklace on a beach. It's very like there's this whole like dumbass thing where Spencer's like, well, a like messes with the oxygen tanks and somehow she knows Spencer is going to die first. And that Spencer's going to use this oxygen tank. Like, oh, because they go scuba diving. They go scuba diving. And Spencer because Spencer has been diver. certified since she was 14. <sighs> Just another reason. It's like Hannah is the most annoying to me, but Spencer is really a close second there. Yeah. Um, and then Emily and then Ari. I guess Ari is the least annoying to me. Um, I guess. Yeah, I guess. But um, th- they what they do is they, they, for some reason, all swim out into the ocean and they like tie it to a rock so it goes to the bottom and no one finds it. And they come back and their lifeboat has deflated. But it's like, why didn't someone just stay on the lifeboat? Or why didn't you just chuck that thing and get the fuck out of there? Because they were like, well, someone like goes, they were like, it needs to fall to the bottom of the ocean. And it's like, but it the ocean's huge. Yeah, like get out of the ocean. Yeah, no one's gonna, it's not gonna necessarily wash up on shore. And people are like, oh, well, it, people saw you wearing that necklace. It's like, people saw you wearing a gold necklace. I just think that's funny that anyone would ever. Yeah. Yeah. I so then they like Naomi comes and saves them after mm-hmm. their lifeboat has deflated. She's like, hop on. And they're like, how did we ever think you were a you're so nice. Except she's not. She's mean. It's just like, like I said, my brain hurts having and, to get into the logic. And of what this. is the worst is that this is the end of an arc. And we don't in uh, plain close terms in whatever that phrase is, we don't actually learn who a is. This it's is not the end of an arc. Alley. Yeah, it is. It's the end of, it's four books in, but this is not classified as an arc. But I think four books in, we we have usually gotten a really big piece of information. And I, I yes. feel like we're no better off than when we, we are essentially, other than the introduction of Graham. And I guess we've eliminated Naomi, who was never a suspect before. We're no better off than we were at the um, end of last book. Like more happened last book than happened this book. Yes. Well, that's definitely true with like the whole idea of like, well, the biggest revelation happens at the end of the book. We do. This is a big revelation, which is that they determine the cause of death on Tabitha. Oh, I guess it is true. And but it only happens at the end of the book and has no bearing on the plot. Like nobody worked to get this info. Okay, they see a report on CNN, their favorite station. That's like Tabitha Clark actually died from blunt force trauma to the head. AKA someone like, you know, beating her skull repeatedly instead of like, you know, dying on the beach. But, and so they're like, well, we didn't kill her then, but it's like, well, in my mind, at least someone could die from falling off a cliff. It just might take (laughs) longer, but I'm like, in theory, they're like, she wasn't dead when, you know, when a found her, but it's like, if a would have left her for, you know, uh, two more hours, she may, (laughs) she, I, I just don't find it like, that no. In their mind, they're like absolved of all guilt around this. And it's like, no. well, not, not really. 
Yeah, it's like when they felt absolved of all guilt around the Jenna thing because Jenna had known the fireworks were going to go off. It's like, right. well, Jenna's still blind forever. Right, so. there's still, like, consequences to, you know, this event. Right, like, just because you pushed her onto the beach and A, found her and, like, finished the job doesn't mean that you guys, like, can go a enjoy your vacation did, like, a good again. Thing there. Like a like no <laughs> Put her like, out of her misery. Well, yeah, like truly, like by you know, beating her to death. I don't know. We don't know if she was conscious or not. Like we don't know any of the details. I just think that <laughs> probably she had a less painful death from that than she would have just from like dying on the beach and maybe like going out to sea and, and drowning. Okay. Okay. Sure. In any karmic reason, I don't want this to happen to me. No. But, you know. Franny has ended today's episode as an A apologist. Yeah, I'm I'm an A truther. Yeah. And uh A is like Hannibal. Yes, he's sexy. <laughs> yeah, A is sexy. A is sexy. A is meticulous. A is ultimately a force for justice and like karmic retribution. I fucking watched like my uh one of my roommates was like a uh um a Hannibal stan on Tumblr, I believe. Um, but she was re-watching the show and my other roommate was watching it with her and I watched one episode and like, I don't, in my perception of myself, I don't think of myself as someone who's like that easily grossed out, but I like couldn't do it. I'm like, I that show is horrible. That, yeah, I'm like, how it's did this terrifying. air like, it, and like, it was like NBC, right? Yeah. I think that we should cover a, a TikTok ad I keep getting is for Dr. Death which has Alec Baldwin and Christian Slater in it. We should cover Dr. Death. Okay. If you want us to cover Dr. Death on the Patreon, let us know. Tell us Um, which Peacock exclusive or uh, CBS show you'd like us to cover. Sure. We could get one of those going. Um, As far as today's episode goes, God, I think that we just, we did as much with this book as anybody possibly could. Yeah. Um, Don't read these. Like, truly god do not read these it's like it's, it's something like upsetting. that like because yeah. unlike the click where we like knew our expectations i would say going in we were so blown away from the first four books of pretty little liars yeah and it's so sad now it's like it's like the like the click uh died by blunt force trauma to the head right right and, but pretty little liars <laughs> is dying by being pushed off a cliff in jamaica onto the beach yeah. And slowly withering away. Right. Like being eaten by fish. Right. Um, yeah. So if you like today's episode, please share it uh, on one of our social media feeds. You can find us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at Girls Like Us Show on both platforms. You can find us and our other Frolic Sorority sisters at frolic.media slash podcast. You can buy our merch. There's will be a link in the description uh, to T Public. We've partnered with them to create a beautiful line of merch. It is so cute, so fun. I literally, like, since I've gotten it's it, cute. have worn a piece, like, almost every single day. Um, yeah, Sophie's people, wearing the GLU um, thong right now. Yeah, I'm wearing the GLU jockstrap. Um, I'm GLU strapped, ready to go. <laughs> As always, our wonderful producer is Camden Stacy. You can find Camden on any social media platform of your choosing. We will link his info down below. And as always, our theme music is by the lovely, the wickedly talented one and only Cincinnati band Leggy. Have a great week, everybody, and peace out. Bye.